Welcome to A Word from the Valley, a weekly podcast produced for you from Zion Lutheran Church in Middletown, Maryland. For more information about our faith community and our weekly worship services, visit us at zionmiddletown.org or find us on Facebook. We hope you have a great week, and God bless. This is the first year in about five or so, maybe even longer, that we haven't had a garden to tend to over the summer, that I haven't had a garden to tend to over the summer. Which is weird, because I really, I really miss playing in the dirt, digging holes, playing with the garden tiller, eating fresh tomato sandwiches straight from the garden with lots of mayo and Wonder Bread. Has to be Wonder Bread. Trying to figure out what I'm going to do with 200 jalapenos. That happened one year. If you came over to my house, you got like a whole bushel of jalapenos to take with you. They were growing the best. I even kind of miss pulling weeds. Okay, not really. I, who, who likes pulling weeds? What I like doing is trying to figure out ways not to pull weeds, like figuring out what I can put on the soil to make it not uh, grow weeds, and, think, and particularly things that won't kill you, like Roundup, trying to avoid Roundup, but using like plastic um, or cardboard, grass clippings, those types of things. That's what I miss trying to figure out. Don't get me wrong. I have filled my days this summer with lots of things to do, such as my work as pastor, the many times that I had to fix and repair toys, usually about two or three an hour from the kids, all the things around the house that need to be repaired, a pool that is more like a money pit than an actual pool. If you all remember the Disney cartoon when probably when we were little of that duck that swam in the money, that, that's kind of what I have, only I don't have any money in there. It's just water, and I just throw money at it. Um, then I have two older boys that constantly want to go do stuff with me, like train watching, and then also feeding and helping raise two little babies. I am keeping busy this summer, and that's actually why I didn't want to plant a garden, because I just didn't have the time, but there's something about digging in the dirt that I missed, that planting seeds and seedlings and getting to see them grow running around with watering cans at 9 o'clock at night after the sun goes down to water the plants, especially when water eludes us for long periods of time. I miss it. But I am the one thing I am very aware of my garden, every time that I plant a garden and tend to a garden, is that it is a hobby. It's something that I enjoy doing. If my garden fails, I'm annoyed, but I, I won't go hungry. I can go over to the local farmer's market and grab some very delicious tomatoes. Or simply wait for you all to bring in your bumper crops and leave them on my desk, which is like the best part of being a pastor. I have never needed to depend on the land to put a roof over my family's head, food on the table, or to pay the bills. And I never really understood that kind of lifestyle until I was well into my 20s going to Rural Retreat, Virginia, serving as a pastoral intern, and learning how big of a gamble it is for people to live off the land. See, I was born in Philadelphia. There's a story my parents tell me that soon after I was walking that we were going down to, 
to Baltimore, and my, my grandparents lived in Towson and Rosedale. They had nice, big, long, huge uh, lawns. And apparently I was afraid to walk on the grass because I had never seen grass before. I never felt grass before. We, our, our yard in Philadelphia was concrete. Everything around us was concrete. After we moved from Philadelphia, we, we did move to Owens Mills, which at the time was rural. It was more rural than Philadelphia anyway. But it was on the verge of a major population boom. The, the sleepy little suburb did not remain little or sleepy for very long. The farms that blotted Owings Mills that used to feed the mills in the area were eventually all sold off to make way for housing developments and business parks. And our yard at home was a townhouse. It wasn't very large. There wasn't much room to plant a garden. And we usually did throw a couple of tomato plants in the backyard with some herbs. But I never depended on these plants for our our food, main source of food. They were just fun. But that wasn't the case for many of you all. I mean, how many of you were born on a family farm? Grew up doing farm chores? How many of you were driving tractors before you could walk? You know, the first time I drove a tractor, I was, I think, 26, 27 years old. It was an old John Deere tractor that uh, my, my pastor, my internship pastor bought from the Virginia DOT. It used to, they used to use it to cut the grass in the median, so instead of it being green, it was yellow. It was a really cool tractor that broke down every time we got on and used it, but it was still cool. And it wasn't really until after I married Diane that her dad got me into collecting toy tractors. It wasn't until after I was married that I attempted to go from just growing a couple of tomato plants here and there to growing an all-out garden with all different kinds of vegetables and crops. How many of you, though, were doing this since you could first remember? sitting with your mom as she picked beans and canned them. The meaning of this parable changes depending on your upbringing. Because I hear this parable very different than probably you hear this parable. And that's the really neat thing about parables. They change, and they constantly change. But regardless of where you might stand on how you hear this parable, one thing I think we can all agree on is that the farmer in this parable, he's a little bit weird. Right? And maybe I, I still got that city boy in me, um, but I got to tell you, driving into Baltimore does it raises my blood pressure more every time. Um, you know, I, I'm still a city boy, but I, when weeds pop up in my yard, in my garden, I have never blamed my neighbor for going and sowing weeds there. I don't go over and say, Ashley! I swear, you keep planting all your weeds in my garden. Stop it. I don't do that. It's pretty weird that he would blame an enemy for planting weeds. A few weeks ago, I got to, I got to do something pretty cool and got to ride in a combine with Chris Durr and my two boys as he cut his barley crop. One of the neatest things in the world I ever, I ever got to do. Um, He's driving this thing the size of a house through a field with these giant cutting things and, it's, and all these moving parts. It was fascinating to watch and be a part of. But, you know, not once when we were riding through the field and you see some weeds pop up here and there, did Chris, I ever hear him say under his breath, the enemy did it again, right? I never heard him say that once. Maybe he, maybe he said that off when we left, but he never said it in front of me. 
You know, this, this farmer comes off as sounding like a two-year-old. You know, like when I was little, I would go to my parents when I couldn't find a toy and say, someone stole my toy. And my parents would say one of two things to me. They would say, I, Matthew, it's in your other hand. Or two, did you look in your toy box? And lo and behold, that usually was the correct answer. Right? I have been a student of the Bible for some time now, and I have a degree in sociology. And I can say with a lot of certainty that there is no such thing as weed warfare. It's just not a thing. This farmer's a little weird, but, but he does get something right. When he, when he looks and he sees how close the weeds are growing up next to his wheat, he says, no, don't pull the weeds. Because doing so would uproot the wheat along with the weeds. He says to let them both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. This parable sounds like Jesus sort of knows what he's talking about and sort of doesn't. One thing we need to remember here is that Jesus grew up a country boy. And he's speaking to a bunch of first century farmers. And I'm sure the first century farmers hearing this parable would have probably been laughing at Jesus at this point. Would have been scratching their heads a bit wondering, what happened to this boy? Parables are supposed to help us question our presuppositions of God's dominion, of God's coming kingdom. Telling a parable that is both grounded in reality and also a little out there helps us approach the kingdom of God with both certainty and wonder. So how then does this parable help us think about the coming dominion of God? Think about it differently. For starters, as I reflect on this parable, I think a big takeaway is that the kingdom of God is not what we expect it to be. That the kingdom of God has lots of good soil in it, but weeds as well. The kingdom of God has both wheat and weeds growing up alongside each other. The kingdom of God is being tended by a really strange farmer who sort of gets it, sort of doesn't. The kingdom of God still has to deal with Mother Nature, messing up even the best laid crops and plants. The kingdom of God is full of weeds like dandelions, easily infiltrating our gardens and our crops and our lawns. But are dandelions necessarily the worst thing in the world? Dandelions spread their seed one of two ways. Little kids going and picking them up and blowing the seeds or the wind takes care of it. They go everywhere. They are tough, hardy plants. And they're not native to North America. In fact, they actually came over on ships like the Mayflower because the people learned about their great medicinal purposes and benefits. Dandelions are completely edible, every single part of them. And during the Great Depression, many people would actually go into fields and their lawns and pick dandelions so that their families would have some green food to eat. Dandelions are beneficial for the soil. They help loosen up tough clay soil. Nowadays, we look at dandelions as weeds. And we, we develop poisons to get rid of them while strengthening the rest of our grass. 
Is a weed not a living plant fighting for survival just like our tomatoes and cucumbers and green beans? Do we not like weeds because of the way they look or because someone told us that this is a weed and therefore it must be destroyed? I think we should be careful who we listen to because there are a lot of weed companies out there who have made millions of dollars off of our fear of a dandelion, a fear that was created by them to make profit off of us and our desire to want to have the perfect lawn. What is a weed? How do we know it's a weed? How do we not ruin a harvest by pulling up the wrong crops? How do we not allow the weeds to overrun and ruin the harvest by stealing the precious nutrients away from the good crop? How are we sure that the weeds are actually weeds and not something that the world has deemed a weed but is actually a good thing to have around? The answer to all these questions really lies in our understanding of who God is and how God relates to us. I once read this really great proverb, and I never forgot it. It was, by a it was credited by an LTSG seminary professor, but I think it's been around for even longer than that. The proverb goes, whenever you draw a line in the sand to say who is on the inside of the kingdom of God and who is on the outside of the kingdom of God, remember this. Jesus is always on the other side of the line because Jesus is always with the outsiders. What exactly is bad? The wheat or the weeds? We assume the weeds are bad, but what if they're not? What if we pull the wrong one? What if we're, we, we pull weeds simply because someone told us to and they really aren't weeds? The band Blue Oyster, Blue Oyster Cult got it right. Don't fear the reaper. I don't fear the reaper. But I do fear making the wrong choice and siding with people who are not on the side of Jesus. Last week we talked about the importance of cultivating good soil so that the seeds we plant can sprout and grow. You know, sometimes, despite all of our best laid plans and preparation, we still get weeds interspersed between the plants we want to grow and succeed. Sometimes we can't even tell the two apart. Is this a weed? Is that a weed? Am I a weed? Are you a weed? Who's a weed? Sometimes the world tells us that these certain plants are weeds, and that if you just pay them $299.99, they can make those weeds go away. In the end, the kingdom of God is too, it's too great of a thing to mess with. So maybe we let God figure it out. Let us do what we do best, cultivating the soil so that the harvest can be plentiful. And though the weeds might keep multiplying, know that the reaper has our back. And at the harvest, at the end of the day, will be plentiful.